The greatest leaders in business look for the emerging stories in their organization and use the data to choose their preferred outcome. What outcome do you want in your business? Listen to the stories of industry veterans, coaches, and consultants so you can choose your preferred business outcome. Uh, and welcome to the new episode of the Business Blind Spots podcast call it the BBSE just because it's a lot shorter. Uh, for anybody who has joined us before or those who have joined us for the first time, let me tell you a little bit about what the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast, what, what is it all about? It all actually starts with a personal journey of mine. I used to think that my technical brilliance and my intellect was going to carry me to the farthest ends of the earth and I could conquer anything because I could understand it. It didn't work that way. I started to realize that sometimes... Even as much as I knew technically that wouldn't get me there, what I didn't realize is that there's a whole personality side to people that you need to develop. And I started to find as I became more and more of a leader that those blind spots for me that could be technical or personality-wise, those soft skills, were the ones that inhibited me from getting there. It was really all about my ego that stopped me. I started seeing those blind spots and looking for those blind spots and things started to open up. And I fundamentally believe that the greatest leaders don't have all the answers. They ask all the right questions. So I bring on experts, uh, subject matter uh, leaders, people who have been there and done that, cried some of those tears themselves to help us walk through what some of those blind spots are that maybe I've probably gone through and you might be going through yourself. So I, I encourage anybody who's listening in, please tell us where you're connecting in from. Uh, we get people from all over the place and make sure that this is an interactive dialogue. I've got a really exciting guest today and I think you'll learn a lot. So chime in and ask questions. So first, I'd like to start out with Forum. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm really excited about this just because of sort of the perspective and the uh, the view of the world that you've you've got. Me too. So I want to do a little bit of housekeeping just before we get started here. I want to tell you about some of the events we've got coming up. So uh, I've got, we've got another one scheduled for the second week of uh, November. I'm having a hard time speaking today. Uh, Jerry Bolander. He's going to do storytelling and how it leads to success inside and outside of your company. The way I think about this is so many people think about just the data or just the story. But the fact is that both of them kind of married together. 5,000 years ago, we told stories to educate others with the facts interlaced in. So storytelling is an important, important part of leadership and running companies. Jerry's going to spend some time talking to us about that. But today I've got Forum Brown, and Forum's going to talk to us about the hidden company talent and how to find them. So uh, if you are listening in on YouTube or LinkedIn, make sure you subscribe or hit that follow button so you can get updated with everything else. But I'd like to turn it over to you, Forum. Uh, gosh, finding the hidden talent. There's hidden talent? <laughs> yeah, there's hidden talent everywhere. <laughs> you just need to know how to find it. <laughs> so, look, I, I want to tell people a little bit about your, your background here uh, and what you've done so they understand a little bit more about who you are. Uh, you're an engineer with over 15 years, and I'm reading directly here because there's a couple of different names that I want to mention that people will probably remember. Uh, engineer with over 15 years of engineering and leadership experience with Rolls-Royce, Bombardier, Bombardier uh, yeah. and Alstom. Uh, so if you've probably been on an airplane any time in your life, you've probably seen one of those names. Uh, you've helped a lot of other women engineers get into roles in these spaces and engineering spaces, uh, and you're on a, this crusade that I absolutely love. 10,000 women into engineering roles by 2030. Uh, but those all parallel in comparison to the real role, which is the, being the mother of two beautiful girls and a, and a cancer survivor. A full life, just in uh, even as young as you are. right? <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about engineering roles. I feel like engineering roles are typically dominated by males. Is that a, is that a true statement? It is, but it is also changing. I mean, it is much, much better than probably what our ancestors had it. So, you know, 
I've, I always find that we kind of talk about uh, it's, it's a male dominated environment. Yes, it is. But we are in a better place than what we were decades ago. So we are heading in the right direction. And there are so many amazing leaders out there who are genuinely wanting to make a difference. Um, and, you know, it's just about working with them and helping them out with my knowledge and experience to really try and get diversity and gender balance within the engineering sector, because there aren't many women in executive positions within this department, I feel. Hmm. Now, what I like about this is this is not a topic that is just relegated to engineering, though. I mean, this is pretty much in any department, in any type of yeah. industry, right? Uh, why, why do you think... Why do you think this has always been the case that it has been a little bit more male dominated? Is, is there is there an easy answer there as to why it's been like that? I don't think there is an easy answer. I think um, you know, for from me personally, what I find is you know, traditionally, we uh, engineering has always been tool based, or the perception is it's tool based, it's hands on experience, and. Maybe that is something that shies um, others away from this particular sector, perhaps. Um, maybe since the generations, you know, like since we've started, the roles of female and male traditionally would have been, you know, the male is the owner of the family and he goes out and works and the female looks after the family. So maybe because of that element, there is a heavy dominance of male that's within the engineering side, coupled with the perception that it is, it's hands-on work experience perhaps uh, could be a reason why it is so heavily male dominated. Um, I don't think there's a simple answer to it. I think there are so many different reasons, so many different factors associated with it. Um, but I know now with the number of uh, women doing STEM, number of women engineers, there's one thing I always tell everyone that there are plenty of women out there doing engineering. So um, yeah, so we are we are heading in the right direction, but that's that's what I feel is probably why it's so male dominated. And 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 again, I think this kind of this parlays or is analogous to many other industries. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, the idea of having a woman in the military was, I mean, people kind of looked at you sideways when you said that uh, women in lots of what I'll call trades and service type jobs, uh, where there's a lot of physical labor, it was kind of people looked at you sideways when you said that stuff. Yeah. And those things are changing. Uh, in, so, again, it, it's not just engineering. I think all these industries, I think there are changes. And I think we started with this idea of this hidden talent. It's because leadership is starting to see that there's talent that's sitting right underneath their noses. Is that is that a way to characterize it? Yeah, I think so. I think there are two elements to it. So you've got talent out there who is within your industry that it's a matter of you recognizing that talent. And at the same time, leaders are recognizing a lot of talent that is over there, perhaps the talent not even knowing that they are talented enough to progress to the next level, because there is a lot of questions that come when you kind of want to progress from one step to another. Um, so that's the, the two things coupled together. I think that there is a huge potential within organizations to really make use of all the people that they have got already rather than, you know, just uh, hiring new people. I think that is also important to bring in diversity of thought and the learning from other organizations. But there is a huge element that you've got out there already that you can just use and tap into, really. So I, I want to um, push you a little bit here on, on a topic, right? So I've been operating, let's say I'm, you know, leader of XYZ company or manager in XYZ company. I've, ha I've been in this role for 15 years. Right? I've, I've been there. I've done that. Why do I need to bring somebody else in who doesn't? fit the profile of what I've done in the past. How does that actually make, I just see my life getting more difficult. 
rather than easy. Is is that not true? But that's that's where I find um, you know I don't think uh, people are going wrong is the right terminology, but that's where people are afraid of having a change. People don't like change because it, you know you're getting out of your comfort zone when there's change associated with it. You know. Um, it's always easy to do something that's easy. Yeah. And, you know, we always come up with several reasons that convince ourselves what we're doing is the right thing because it's the easy option and we've got enough justification in our head to say it's easy. So generally, what you find is comfort within where you are. So you look for leaders where you are. But what happens is you're all looking through the same lens. You all have the same perspective. You are all working in the same area. There is nothing different out there. When you bring somebody from a different organization, that person is coming with a whole new perspective and a complete fresh pair of eyes looking at something that you're doing. So what you really get is that input, the ideas that are different to what you're used to hearing. It might not be what you want to hear, but that is exactly what you need. You know, you need a change because only once you have that perspective, you can then put all of that on a table and figure out what's the best way forward. But with all of this, I also believe it's not just about getting somebody from outside. I think the fundamental thing is as a leadership being inclusive enough because you can get somebody from outside and you can demonstrate that, oh, you've probably got diversity in your team. Um, you know, you've got a new person. But if it's just one or two compared to 10 leadership executives, you know, the ideas are probably not going to be heard because, again, the majority is is just wanting things to be done in a set way that we have been doing over a period of time. So there are two elements to it. Make sure you get people from outside, but make sure that you are aware of being inclusive with whoever you're bringing in to really make the most out of out of all the effort gone into bringing somebody in as well. But for me, anybody from outside has a new perspective, especially if you look at the executive teams, that person would have had years of experience in a different organization or perhaps multiple different organizations. So every time you do something different, you're learning consciously, subconsciously. And the, the more learning you have, you're bringing into a different organization, the more different ideas you've, you've got on the table. So for me, it's a no-brainer. So I, you know, there's a, uh, my, my poor children have to listen to some of my management principles that I make up when I'm sitting at the dinner table. Um, <laughs> my, girls, uh, my girls get some of that too. <laughs> uh, hopefully one day they won't, won't believe that I was suffering through it. Um, I, I hope. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I tell them is, uh, look, kids, uh, I could be, the, you know, I say, hey, your, your dad could be the smartest person in the world. But if I'm standing in the valley, the man or woman who's standing at the top of the mountain knows it's raining before me. So it has nothing to do with how intelligent you are. It has everything to do with perspective. I don't know anything about the person standing at the top of the mountain. They're just yelling down, hey, it's about to rain. I can check my barometers. I can check thermometers. I can check all kinds of stuff, weather reports. But if that guy sees rain, she sees rain. It's going to rain, right? And I, I think that's part of what I'm hearing here is don't focus so much on who knows what is right because what is right was applied to yesterday. But for tomorrow, you need the person standing on the top of the mountain. Does that, yeah. does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, absolutely. But it's also about, um, you know, bringing that new perspective, which is the new ideas where, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have to be all the same type of people which is exactly you know, what your example suggests. It's got to be that difference to say, well, you know, you've got three people on the top saying it's about to rain. One might 
have some different creative ideas of uh, of a strategy of how to save everyone in uh, in the valley uh, the other might have complete different ideas and that collectively then gives a very unique solution that actually could you know save everyone in the valley depending on the type of rain <laughs> yeah no I, I i i i like that you know the other thing is that i have always found uh, you know, as I said a little earlier, that the greatest leaders are not the ones who have all the answers, but they're the ones who ask the right questions. If you're continuing to ask the same questions, how, uh, you know, uh, Albert Einstein said the, the idea of doing the exact same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Well, if you've been doing it for 15 years, I might say you might be, be making yourself less qualified for the role than anybody else. <laughs> because at some point in time, things do change. And I don't know what about about you, but it seems like everything since I've since the day I was born, things continue to change every day. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, look at children now, right? I mean, compared to when we grew up, it was like go outside, play, and now it's all tablets. You know, <laughs> uh, whether we like it or not, it's you know. Of course, we control the amount of screen time, but right. it's a different generation. You can't hold them from that. But I can guarantee you, my daughter will be able to figure out some software on my uh, laptop far quicker than perhaps I could, you know. It's just different generations, different learning. They are, that just comes naturally to them. Whereas for me, I might have to go learn, explore, and really understand. Whereas to them, it might just be, oh, mom, you just do this, 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 and it's done. So it's important to have a mix of ages as well because it's all different ideas. They, they, they are different generations, they think different. And again, when you look at the older generation, they have got all that years of experience and judgment. You know, engineering judgment is a big thing for me within engineering. You know, you do a job, you, you use judgment and judgment comes with experience, it comes over time. So, you know, if you have a team where you've got a, a good mixture, you'll get a speed from a very, perhaps a younger generation, you'll get the judgment from the older generation, and you have that generation in between, which kind of balances everything out. So again, that's the, the diversity side of things also help out in, in that respect, in my view. So talk to me about this idea of Look, there's there's a shift that has to. I, I, I I'm going to put it another way. You know, I've heard people uh, talk before. Uh, you know, in in passing, they're like, "Oh my gosh, these millennials," and <laughs> they'll make statements like that. And I, I kind of cringe whenever I hear that. Gosh, I I always think to myself, I, I want to go to that person. I and I have. I said, was there ever a time that you were a teenager? And <laughs> and they'll say, yes, obviously. Said, and did everyone love everything that you did when you were a teenager? Did your parents ever say, my gosh, this spoiled, rotten kid doesn't know what he's got in front of him? They said, yes. I said, and that's because teenage years are so memorable. How is it that you just off out of hand just say that the whole generation of people are completely nuts? You mean that's basically like every teenager is completely nuts to their parents. How, how is that even possible <laughs> to, to make a statement like that? That's true, but we do make statements, and I think it's it's all. Um, I guess it's it's all balanced, right? Where you look like for me, I also make a statement that there are not enough women in executive positions. Yeah. Now there might be one company that has just female executives, um, but the majority of them are are not balanced enough. So when you look at an average. I feel that's where the statement comes in. But it does beg the question, is it fair? <laughs> um, because not everyone might be that way. Yeah. So how do you... All right. So let's say we've got somebody who is realizing that they're trying to punch through some performance ceilings and they can't seem to get through it. And I might hazard <laughs> to them, just based on our conversation here, that there might be some talent or some perspectives that you're not actually 
giving the psychological safety, which is a big fancy word, right? Mm-hmm. You're not giving the psychological safety to express some opinions or contrarian views, or it, it doesn't have to be contrarian, right? It can be just a slightly different perspective. Mm-hmm. Have you seen where organizations or cultures have started to say, all right, you know what, we need to do something differently. And people have stepped forward and they've made some significant changes for the better. So I have experienced it myself. And what I get is organizations saying that they are doing things differently. But when you actually look at what is happening, the difference doesn't necessarily flow top down right to the bottom. And that is one element which I think you as leaders have to be very mindful of, because Mm -hmm. if you are driving that behavior going top down, but you're not seeing the progression bottom up, that means there's something wrong in the middle and you need to action that, you know, Now, that was my experience. I have worked with companies where they have actioned these behaviors and uh, the psychological safety side of things, which has worked wonders for them. And this is where it, you know, this this is where I, I have worked with them. And we really honed down into... What is the directive that we got, that we have? What are we trying to achieve and where the problem is? And this is, you know, once we get into that, it is really, really addressing that particular root cause of the problem. And once they do that, over a period of time, they see employees opening up. There is progression and that's the measure that you get. Hmm. So this, I, I, I like the, the way you use it, right? So that you action the psychological safety, right? And, and I, I want to mm-hmm. kind of make sure that everyone's uh, thinking the same way. That psychological safety is that ability for someone to volunteer something without fear of punishment or repercussion, right? Yeah. Everyone's, everyone in the room says, hey, we need to go left. And one person can says, could I suggest that we go right? It should be okay for someone to do that. I want to look at them and ridiculing them and kicking them out, kicking them out of the room. Yeah, and it's it's also about you know this is where the inclusion side comes in. You've got to be comfortable. You've got to be made comfortable to you know voice your opinions, but also be listened to, and not just shut down. Because when you shut down, you know the person is going to. They say it once, say it twice, but then the third time, the person is not going to bother. So no. you've automatically, you know, you've, you've, you have shut down all the ideas coming from that person, which are, again, different because it's looking in a different way to what everybody else is doing. So that psychological safety, it's important to be aware. It's important to listen. It's important to create an atmosphere where people feel safe to to speak up. And that, I feel, comes a lot when you, when you demonstrate you're inclusive, not talk about it. Uh, some stats, um, in at least in the United States, I know the stats that the, as a result of what, the, which I think is a little, which I think is a great misnomer, the Great Resignation, right? Because that's a management term, resignation, right? People resign and management feels the effect of it. That's the outcome. It was actually disengagement that created that resignation in the first place. And the stats that I know, so that I think in in a four month period here in the United States, there was 15 million people that were grouped into that Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's another stat that it says 74% of all workers in the workplace are disengaged, at least here in the United States. Gosh, that's a massive number. So what I hear out of that is, gosh, if 74% of people are disengaged, that means, you know, seven out of 10 people that are in your office today don't feel like you give a flying kite about what they think. There is no psychological safety. They're not going to bother and they're just waiting for that paycheck to come in the door. Is that, a, is that a fair way to, to look at that? I, I think there's two ways. I think I also feel that it's very easy to kind of say from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. this is what is happening within your company. 
there's a certain element of employee responsibility as well. Sure. I think both of them, you know, uh, I always have this, you know, you can't clap your hands with just one hand. You can't make a noise with one hand. This is what my mom used to tell me. But in my in my mother tongue, every time I grew up, she was like, from you can't clap your hands. You can't make that noise with just one hand. You know, so there's always another element to it. And I find it's very easy to just look at the leadership and say, well, actually, this is what you're doing and this is what you need to change. Now, I do believe that there is a lot of element of that that needs changing, which then boosts the employees to kind of put forward and come in so that you can together make a difference. So it's just, we've got to be mindful that, you know, there is an element of employees as well, which needs to be looked at and not just leaders. But 100%, if you have a company culture that doesn't allow people to grow, that is something that needs addressing. And growth in this case is not necessarily about growth in terms of the role and the pay and the yeah. title, right? It's growth about as an individual. Yeah, as a human. And that's another thing, you know, where I think a lot of companies are fixated with numbers. You know, it's a numbers game. And whilst they're chasing all these numbers, they're almost forgetting that there are people behind these numbers. And actually, a lot of, you know, my my beliefs, my ethics and, uh, you know, all the work that I do with all the leaders as well is you've got to look at people as people. And I think when you do that and when you have that relationship and when you have that top down approach of valuing people, that's when you, you know, the, the, the all the other nice things will just come. You know, the inclusion, the diversity, and all of that will just come if you just treat people as people. Well, I, you, know, you know, you and I were talking a little bit in the beginning just before we started this. And, you know, as, a, as what, what we do in our company is build those empathy graphs, right? We take the data yeah. and help leaders see the individuals. Uh, I talked about an organization that's got well over 2,000 2, employees. Uh, and we showed them a empathy graph, the story for each individual. And when they, when you start to see that, you start saying, wow, they're, they're all in the same role, but they are completely different. It's amazing to see how many permutations of the same type of per- person there is, right? And I think what I'm hearing from you is this idea that really you, you do need to understand people to a point where if if you because once you start to understand more, I mean, why do we care for our children so much? We know so much about them, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, we know everything about them. We've been there and experienced more, and you build fr- friendships, relationships through experience over time, generally speaking. So if you start to understand more about who they are, where they're going, why they want to go there, who's in their family, it endears you to them, and you want to support them more, and it's easier to support them, and they also will do their part by supporting you. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is where empathy comes in as a very top skill that leadership needs to have. Because, you know, we know leadership is a pyramid, you know, ideally, or company structure is normally a pyramid. You have somebody on the top and then the the, the cultures, the values, the, the behaviors flow down. And that's where the top empathy is, is key for me, because that is something that helps create the bond between your teams and your people. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you've got to, you know, really know everything about them to make decisions. No, you just need to have a small chat uh, or, you know, just um, a coffee chat or just get to know them a little bit personally, not for the sake of it as well. Because I think... I have had times when people are doing it and you know that they've done it just just without meaning it. Um, And that's when that doesn't work either because, you know, you don't get the honesty when you're doing it just because you feel like you've been told to do it. Um, it's, It's got to come in naturally too, where, you know, just that little bit of curiosity of, oh, you know, forum, you've got two 
two girls. How old are your girls? And, you know, it just tells you so much about me. You know, I've got younger girls, I'm juggling, I've got career. So, you know, I'll probably be able to multitask. It just, it's small things like that, that, you know, really, you can learn a lot about your employee. And then as a leader, for me, it is all about seeing what your employees' strengths are and placing them in the right roles. Because so many times I see people are in the role that either they don't want to do or they clearly are not, uh, you know, they are not competent in that particular role. They've got strengths elsewhere, but they themselves might not know where to go because they're comfortable waiting for their paychecks coming in. So as leaders, you can really look into that sort of behaviors, strengths, and really place them in the right roles because there's always a role for someone somewhere in an organization. So we started talking about this idea of finding the hidden talent. Uh, and I think we've kind of taken a little bit of a journey here along this line of saying that if we start to see some of this hidden talent, there are perspectives, there are, there's there's uh, dialogues to be had, um, conversations to be had. They don't necessarily need to be contrarian, rather uh, synthetic, a synthesis of, of, of ideas, right, to get you to a better place because the world continues to change by bringing those people in, you can continue to change along with it. How does, so you talked about this one organization where they kind of started to really action this psychological mm-hmm. safety. How, how did they start that? How do, how do, you, how do you counsel them such that they start to go down that path? What, did, what steps do they take? So for me, uh, you know, the start was the one-to-one with the CEO. So we really start right at the top. And the idea is what is it that we are trying to achieve and why? And it's something as simple as that that really gets you thinking of what am I trying to do and why am I trying to do it? You know, and sometimes there is a lot of pressure on leadership. So, for example, if you look at at women and gender balance, there is a lot of pressure out there to say you've got to achieve so many women in such positions or or diversity um, in particular positions by the end of this year. And again, it gets into numbers. So is it the pressure that's causing you to react or is it that you genuinely believe that that diversity is going to help you with profitability? And once you kind of, you know, narrow that, what is it and why, that really enables the next step of what needs to be done. That's when the first line comes in to really understand what is happening and why we are doing certain things. And then once we've had that coaching with the top executives and leadership, then it's a top-down approach where the idea is it gets flowed down. But that, you know, engineering, we love KPIs, (laughs) but we generate KPIs for the right amount of things so that we actually see that we are seeing a progression. And this is not an overnight exercise because it doesn't happen overnight. It is over a period of time that we work together and you slowly start seeing the improvement. And, you know, it's the simple things uh, where, you know, I know there was one element where we, we hired a female executive and we paired up that female executive and we had a little chain coming top down and then what we did was as we go down there there were multiple other women engineers within the teams which was brilliant but that had been paired with other male female leaders and then the growth the action over a period of time was to see their progression and that worked quite beautifully because, you know, they started to uh, know one another. You know, there were certain elements in the leadership. I know we'd kind of got together and towards the end, it was like, yeah, you know, I didn't realize that uh, there were so many things she was dealing with. And actually just 
the, the gut reaction was to, uh, you know, help her out. But I know one of the things we'd said is, no, just do the opposite. She wants to be challenged, so challenge her. And actually, that, that worked. So you see over a period of time, there's growth. And the leaders can see that. And that's how the whole culture shift happens. But it's not an overnight thing. So in a lot of the industries that I've been working in, especially in around a lot of the service industries, um, recruiting people and retaining people is a is a monster of a problem right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people who are not necessarily aligned with what the role needs that apply for jobs because they're just looking for jobs. They're just looking for a change, right? Yeah. Um, and the number of qualified people that you need to find for roles, sometimes it's just, it, it's it's hard to find, right? You've got you've to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the find the prince, I guess, or whatever the saying is. Yeah. On the same token, on the inside, right, you've got retention issues, right? Mm-hmm. People who are leaving, gosh, and you spent... Uh, you know how, how much time have you time and effort have you spent in trying to groom these people and then they take off and you're like oh gosh i've got to start back at zero again by by finding and allowing more of this safety for people within an organization how does that change the recruiting and and retention have you seen any results there what by uh, psychological safety you mean Renan? yeah yeah 100% now uh, you know when people leave uh, that means that you have got a problem somewhere over there, especially if you've got a lot of people leaving. That means something's not right somewhere, whether it's the culture or the behaviors. That should be acted upon straight away. And a lot of the times, people spend their energy in replacing the person. But the energy is not spent in really, uh, you know, understanding what is the cause of that problem and actioning that problem. And that's where you have retention issues regardless. So over over a period of time, you'll just keep having the issue because, you know, the the problem is still there. What you really need to do is action that element of it. And um, sorry, I've forgotten your question because I've kind of gone into the retention side of things. But I think it was just that, right? Uh, If you create that psychological safety, what is sort of that downstream effect on the recruiting and retention? And and this is where, yeah, once you have that empathy, the psychological safety, you don't have that that gap in between or the, the, the problematic area in between because that is just natural the discussion being themselves is natural and they are open to one another. And that's when you get that retention. But it's a lot easier to say psychological safety because, you know, you can have psychological safety by somebody, you know, sitting in a room and hearing the person out, but still doing what they wanted to do without any justification. So, you know... Yes, psychological safety is absolutely important, but it needs to be lived. It needs to be implemented, which for me is key, you know. And that comes when you've got a mix of cultures, a mix of genders, because then it's just normal being in a room. You don't feel like, you know, I'm going to stand out. Because everybody is different. Everybody stands out in their own way. And then it's just a norm. Saying something opposite to what somebody is saying is just a norm. You know, there's a saying that I have, and that is that everybody is a genius in their own right. Mm -hmm. Am I smart enough to see it? Yeah. Uh, And I think that's one of the the things that I'm starting to hear in, in all of this, right? is by bringing more diversity, more perspective, more people who are standing on the top of the various mountains that are the hills that you need to climb or be wary of as a leader, the more perspectives you have, the more likely that you're going to see it. Now, do you have the... So it's not an intelligence in terms of technical intelligence. Do you have the intelligence to see the people and the various perspectives that they have and the, the richness and the holistic perspective that they bring together as part of that team? Because if you're... Constantly, if they're constantly looking out for you, then you don't have to. It actually makes your life a lot easier. Is easier. that a fair exactly. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole idea behind it, that, you know, this shouldn't be a novelty. You know, having a woman is not novelty. We want it to be the norm. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think uh, always uh, comes up in around, you know, hiring women versus men, and I, I think this is just one analogy of differences between types of people, of genders, cultures, uh, backgrounds, religious, whatever the case may be, right? Uh, w- one that seems like uh, that comes up, you know, pregnancy, uh, uh, you know, w- women being pregnant, right? Uh, could change the profile of how they work for some period of time. Uh, and it's not the same as a man. How do you, how do you talk companies through that? How should they, what is a better perspective on that as opposed to just saying, oh, they're leaving me. <laughs> you know, there's one company that I'm working with uh, and the whole, uh, again, it's very similar. The biggest problem is, or not the problem, uh, one of the things that they want to improve on is retaining women, particularly on the maternity side of things within engineering. And it's very interesting because um, you know, the overall perspective is, oh my God, she's going to have a baby, you know, she's going to have some time off. She will want to take it easy because, and this is not just my words. So I've had these words said to me when I was having my first child. Um, and I have spoken to several leaders about this. And, you know, just as a question that, you know, what's your biggest, you know, thought that comes to your head when you know that one of your uh, leaders or members is pregnant, you know, um, with respect to them returning back to work. And this comes out to be on the top that, you know, they perhaps might want it to be easy. And I actually think it's the other way around. Oh, I know for me, it was other way around. And I know for a lot of other women that I've spoken to, it's the other way around. We want every single minute that we be at work to be worth it. And from, you know, because I've left my child, you know, I don't want it to be easy. Yes, it's nice being able to sit on a desk and have a cup of coffee without getting up or having cries all around. But that's, that's motherhood. That's a nice thing to have. But I want to be challenged. So one of the things that I work with them is to say, you know, you've got to, in fact, sometimes having stretched assignments, as long as the employee is willing to explore it, is something that really helps you draw them back in because you're almost making their time worth it. You know, yes, if the employee themselves, because sometimes, you know, the, the person may want to take it easy for six months, but then might want to come back in, or they might want to take it easy, but you might want to, you know, just coach them so that they kind of want to come back and progress within, because a lot of the, a lot of the times with children or having, I know when I had Freya, I was like, oh, actually, if I take a new role, um, I know my six months will be, you know, really tough because I am new and I need to prove myself or, you know, I have to really, really work hard to get to a point where I know I would be comfortable myself being. And so nobody's put that pressure on me. I have put that pressure on myself. Yeah. And sometimes all you need is somebody saying, you know what, it's a new role. It's fine. You can do it. Uh, and it's it's actually not going to impact, you know, what you're doing uh, with, with your child because you've still got the flexibility element around it. And, you know, that it's just that small dialogue that would have made me go, oh, yeah, actually, why not? Let's go for it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's those discussions, those chats. But in order to have all of that, it's important to know your um employee it's important to know what their personality is and it's important to keep in touch with them whilst they're on maternity leave because employers often don't thinking they are going to disturb them Hmm. it's not about disturbing them 
and and you know the idea is not like are you coming back to work are you coming back to when are you coming back that's that's not the idea the idea is just you know as as a person keeping in touch as a person making them feel cared about and valued so that they also want to come back to work so um this is interesting because uh, i will tell you i had a uh, lady who i brought on to my company in a, you know in a very important role for the company uh and given her a lot of responsibility and she had some challenges that she was going through i didn't hear from her for two days and i started to get a little worried and i finally got a text message back from her and she had just said she was down with a pretty significant illness something that was going to pass but it was going to take some time and texted her and i said hey uh haven't heard from you in a little bit uh i don't know if i it's okay for me to say this but i i can't wait to see you back are you are you okay i i need you right and i almost felt like i was like oh my gosh i'm leading myself down a terrible path here and the response back back came back and you know just as soon as i hit the 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 send button came back said no no when i i actually really appreciate this oh i'm you know, I, and and it's just the fact that you actually start to lean in with just a little bit of care i do care right and when just in that in that in that honesty of that dialogue i i i think i've built a great relationship there and i feel like people are scared of talking like that these days they're worried about stepping over lines and we've become so worried we we censor, censor ourselves too much too much and uh, you know it is it it is difficult because there's like so much uh, you know going on around it that you feel you do feel cautious yeah. about approaching someone but it is that first step as a leader that you feel like you know actually you know the person enough to just send a message saying how are you doing I mean that's all you need right if the answer comes back if you don't get an answer at all then it's like oh okay now <laughs> there's a panic uh but you know sometimes uh, if if the time is not right you will get a response saying not a good time uh you know i think it's just simple dialogues whilst there is maternity going on can really make the employee feel like they're not left out and it it really also makes them want to come back you know because having a child leaving them in nursery is psychologically very hard you know especially as a first parent by the time you have a second one unfair on the second child but you're used to it <laughs> yeah, big deal they'll be fine exactly they'll be fine they're robust enough for second kids <laughs> but it's it's very hard so it's small elements like this that you know i know that if, you know having those touches could make a lot of difference with retention Yeah I I actually also have another there's another lady in my organization uh who happens to uh who's pregnant she was she she ended up uh, telling me just a few weeks ago and when she told me I said you know congratulations that's re- that's really very exciting I can't uh do have got a short list of names I, you know asking some small questions like that and then I I waited about a week and then I said so uh there's going to be a time where you're going to need a little more flexibility in your schedule uh why don't we start to figure out some longer term projects so that you've got a lot more flex in terms of when you have to deliver things uh but uh don't think you're going for too long because i'm not i don't i'm not interested in finding any replacements for you so i expect you back is that uh is that a fair expectation on my part and she says no when i don't worry i'm i'm coming back i was like okay well i'm counting on you now <laughs> right <laughs> uh and and it seemed like the 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 conversation or the relationship actually went to a higher level of trust as opposed to going down because i said hey look i rely on you and actually have tremendous value for what you do for me uh please don't leave <laughs> not, it's just you know it's, it's it's this genuine empathy and really looking after the person that 
helps create that relationship where even the employee feels like, no, I want to go back or, you know, look. And often, Vinay, you'll find that you don't have to come up with a plan. If you have that relationship, they will tell you what is it that they need and what is it that they would be willing to stretch to. Um, and that also really helps out quite a lot, but it's it's all about relationships. So we use that as sort of the an analogy for, I think, lots of different stories for different individuals, right? So we talked about women and going through uh, the whole pregnancy process, mm-hmm. post, post-pregnancy, right? Um, because I think that one... Uh, most people are familiar with that, right? Mm-hmm. Or they've they've been part of that process at some point in part in their life. <laughs> but other things, right? There's things where I mean, we've had this huge thing called COVID that has you know changed a lot of the way the world works, right? Absolutely. Being able to go to someone, you know, I showed one of these graphs, these empathy graphs, to one of my customers. And they said that something was happening with one of their employees. Why was the performance falling? I said, Wait, let's let's not jump to the conclusion that they're doing things bad. Let's can can we pause for a moment and just ask a question? Just simply asking, what's what's happening? And that led to a conversation where they said, Well, my father-in-law has recently contracted COVID. And that's been kind of a challenge because my my wife is now you know spending a lot of time with him and trying to use all her hours and work from home capabilities uh, by spending time in and around at home and supporting her her mother, which means I'm now picking up and dropping off the kids. Ah, that's what happened, right? Now yeah. so there's this additional burden that you would have never have seen, but that, there's some burden there, right? And not not you know supporting his is his wife in this uh in this place but there's some additional psychological burden there's some social burden that's been placed on top of financial all this kind of burden that's changed and it's just a small little tweak to their life in the grand scheme of things but it changes the way they show up at work and by just simply asking that question they say oh well you know why don't why don't we come back and uh, let don't don't worry about the next two weeks do what you can and let, let's come back and look at things in two weeks that that, em- that endears their employee to you on so many levels. I said, Absolutely. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this is key where you see a shift in performance. Yeah. You also, you know, we've got to, uh, we've also got to be very mindful. And this is where I always work with the leaders because you always have different types of people. You have high performers where you see the high performance and then you see a drop. Yeah. And that's where you think that, you know, there there must be something that's causing that drop. You have some that are underperformers. And that during COVID, you also get a drop. Well, you, you know, you're underperforming and now we're not getting any performance. So it's it's important addressing all different types of employees and situations for leaders and it's it's quite a hard position to be in because you know from both sides covid's been uh, you know a it's a pandemic that none of us have experienced good has come out of it but a lot of um things we've realized that we never knew you know we could do or can't do like homeschooling oh my god <laughs> there's a reason why i'm not a teacher <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, you've got to be very, very mindful. And again, it's all about knowing the person, knowing the capabilities, and then seeing a shift. And when you have a leader who has empathy, who is a leader, not a manager, um, it becomes quite evident within your team where you're seeing a drop. And actually, how do you address that? And, uh, you know, like you said, simple discussions, simple chats really make a huge difference. Yeah, we've I've seen a lot of stories like that now that we uh, we can put actual data in front of people. Mm -hmm. But they say, well, hold on a second, something's happening a little different than what I thought. Uh, That's often the case (laughs) that there's something different than what you thought, because you can only see it from your perspective. And again, Excellent. back to that analogy, if you're standing at the bottom of the valley, the guy on the, you know, the guy or the gal on top of the, 
mountain actually has a completely different view of the world and might be a better view. So it's always best to just ask, right? And see. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think there's something about asking where a lot of people shy away from it. And uh, the biggest reason why they shy away is, you know, from from my data that I gather speaking to all these people is, you know, they almost convince themselves with all the possible answers they might get, which helps them not to ask. And you think, no, no, it's hard, but you need to ask. It's a simple question. You need to get out there and ask. Asking something that's a little personal doesn't make you, you know, doesn't make you not a leader or doesn't make you any, you know, and in fact, it it really values your, you know, people are going to value you far more than oh, yeah. just just yesterday, I uh, <laughs> phone and call a couple of people and I just started the call off with, uh, so I need some help. I don't know if I do what I'm what I'm doing right or wrong here. I need I need I need a little bit of help. Can you can you help me with this? Just tell me what you think. And it's amazing how long those con- you know it's supposed to be a five minute conversation. You know, and an hour later I get off the phone with you know a boatload of things I'd learned, tremendous number of things, and I think I'm still a pretty smart guy. But there's so much still to learn, right? and just by simply asking, it becomes accessible to you. And asking things of your employees just unlocks so much hidden potential. 100%. So we're getting close to the end of our hour here. Uh, we've kind of taken this long journey. So, summarize for me a little bit about um, if someone was to come and work with you or wanted some help to shift their ability to find this hidden talent, what are you know, like two or three things that you would help them with and how should they engage with you? So for me, there are two elements. One is the recruiting side of things or headhunting side of things. So when you want somebody, particularly a female in an executive position, you come to me and, you know, we will talk about the role and I will find you the person that you need to hire for that role. The other element is when you have issues like retention issues, you know, for example, maternity return from engineering, or you just want to be more diverse and inclusive, but at the leadership level, that's when you come to me and we will, you know, talk about the coaching programs that are there. But it's very dependent on the company, the size of organization to really, you know, get deep into and really know what needs to be done and how we're going to do it. That's something that we would work out once we kind of get into those discussions. So I heard recruiting, finding the execs that can move your organization forward and retention. uh, That's where they can kind of step into the leadership programs that you have that'll kind of help them uh, action that uh, psychological safety. Mm -hmm. Is Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah. Well, um, this has been interesting. I, I, I always love talking to people because I always start to up-level my perspective. I have many, many more miles to go up the mountain before I, I, I get to the top. Um, and I have learned quite a few things here. Um, I, I like this idea of actioning psychological safety. I like this idea of looking for that talent in, inside as well as outside. Um, by creating that psychological safety so that you've got diversity of talent and diversity of ideas so that you can learn new perspectives which will allow you to evolve. Uh, Those seem like those are, they're not even just short-term fixes. They're short, medium, and long-term fixes. If you continue to do this, that shouldn't become a problem again in the future if you're doing it properly. Is Is that a fair statement? 100%. I think future then is a norm. We shouldn't be here talking about diversity and gender balance. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a shame that people don't realize that they've got superheroes working for them and they haven't even allowed them to take off their cape and show their cape. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And sometimes it just needs that little bit of a nudge, you know, giving them some stretched assignments to really kind of bring them out and, and let them fly. Well, uh, for all those who are listening, who listening in today, uh, stumbling on words there, listening in today or might listen in on the future. 
I'd love to hear uh, what you got out of this and put, you know, put your thoughts in the comments. I would love to kind of, you know, forward them to forum if she's got some ideas or thoughts for you. Sure. But uh, more importantly, forum, thank you for spending some time with me and walking through this. Uh, I think I have definitely learned a, a couple of things myself throughout the course of this. Thank you for having me. It's been such a great pleasure. Thank you. Good. Well, uh, looking forward to getting this published. Everyone can uh, listen to all the the, 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 the nuggets that you've uh, dropped throughout the course. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Thank you.